Heyo! Welcome to Build to Be You. My name is Michaela, and I am so pumped that you're here. I made this podcast so you can uncover what it means to be you and learn how you can fully step into your potential while trying to navigate your 20s, overcoming previous failures, learning to face your fears, dance with your emotions, and take messy action in order to build and become the best you. You can expect a little bit of mixed up love and a whole lot of real talk. But let me just say, this journey is so much more fun with a bestie. So buckle up and let's do it together. Welcome, Christina, to this week's podcast episode. I am really excited because I think it's so beautiful when somebody uses what they once saw as a perceived weakness as now their greatest strength. And this week's guest, Christina, does exactly that, sharing with us the inside look at how her diagnosis with ADHD actually became one of the greatest seasons of her life. She's learned so much about herself. She's learned how to be more productive, how to use ADHD as a superpower, and really how to not tie her identity to a diagnosis. And even if you are not somebody who currently or knowingly lives with ADHD, I think you're going to get so much value from this episode as well. Welcome, Christina, to the Build For You community. I am so honored to be in this space with you today. Thank you for being here. Let's just dive right in and start off by telling us about you and kind of who you are and what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, so thank you so much for having me on today's episode. I'm super excited to be here. Um, My name is Christina. I am 33. I am based out in Denver. I'm actually a lawyer, a podcaster, and I co-own a publishing company. I do way too many things. Um, And I think that's because I have ADHD. So that's probably why I do all the things. And that's a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. Routines, ADHD, um, anxiety, mental health, you name it. We'll see where it goes. I I love that. And we were just talking off the mic, like we love to just kind of see where the conversation goes. And I know that today's episode is going to be in the ears of the person who needs to hear it the most. Um, So just kind of being open to receiving that. But let's start kind of from the ground up. When were you diagnosed with ADHD and how has it played a role kind of in your life? Take us back to Christina, like pre-diagnosis. Yes. So I was actually diagnosed with ADHD at age 31. But I felt like something was off before then. So just to give just a little background and maybe whoever's listening to this can sort of relate to it. I was one of those like higher achievers in high school, all of the clubs, played sports, straight A student, graduated third in my class, went to college, did all the things there. But something always felt a little off. But no one, no one thought anything of it because, well, I was a straight A student. They're like, you're doing great. Keep going. And it wasn't until I was in my twenties when I started to like, really feel like, okay, this world is not built for me. Like I just don't get along with people. I was a store manager at Starbucks at the time. I like lost my best friend. She just like stop being friends with me. Um, And I was just like really having a hard time finding my place in the world. And I think any 20 year old goes through that because, Mm -hmm. you know, your twenties are crazy. Absolutely. And I was just talking to another friend about all of it. And he was like, okay, look, I love you, but I can't, I can't help you the way that you, you need help. 
So he like slid his therapist card across the table. I was like, go see this therapist. And at first I was like, ew, you want to go see a therapist? Um, but then long story short, I went and saw the therapist and was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. So I was like, okay, well, that's something I, I at least can put a name to how I'm feeling. So I went through, I didn't take any medication. I tried to do all of the, like the normal coping skills, you know, cutting back on caffeine, which <laughs> never worked. Um, I felt like it always made things worse to cut back on caffeine, <laughs> which keep that in mind for moving forward, but, um, did all the things, therapy, exercise, everything and the anxiety just never felt like it went away no matter what. And I was like, okay, well, like maybe let's try some like healing inner child trauma or stuff like that. I was like, I'm going to try anything. And that's how I ended up going to law school. Um, the, the fifth grader in me was like, we always want to go to law school. Let's do it. Let's try it. And I was like, Oh, I was like, all right, we'll, we'll try it. I mean, it's expensive, but we're going to try it. Who knows? (laughs) I don't think I could be a store manager at Starbucks for the rest of my life. So let's do it. So I went to law school and that's when things really got interesting. (laughs) Um, cause like undergrad, I don't know if you feel this way. Undergrad feels like an extension of high school, but Mm -hmm. like not high school. It's like you have that freedom. Law school felt like the most terrifying thing in the world. Like it was like undergrad on steroids Mm -hmm. and you're not supposed to work your first year. So all you're doing is studying. You're with all of these really high achieving type A OCD personalities like legit how they have OCD, um, maybe not diagnosed, but like <laughs> legit because they are very part like, Oh yeah. Um, and like I moved away from my family. I moved out of state. I was, I grew up in Las Vegas. And so I moved to Denver and things just were not going well. I was a straight A student my whole life, pretty much a couple of bumps here and there in college, but I got to law school and I got a C minus in a class which is practically an F in law school. (laughs) Um, I was like, my emotions were all over the place. And I always just tried to attribute it to stress. And it wasn't until after that first semester when I decided, look, I just need to go back to doing things my own way because I was trying to do things the law school way Mm -hmm. that I really saw a shift. And so some of those things, and believe me, these are all important details, us ADHD years, we seem to tell really long stories. But, um, some of those things were like going back to work. So I went back and worked um, at Starbucks as a barista part-time. It was not studying for eight hours straight. It was studying with the TV on. I just like was like, I'm not going to do the, what everybody else is doing because this is literally causing my anxiety to skyrocket like more than normal. And causing me just to like want to quit everything and run away or go back home even, Mm -hmm. um, which I didn't want to do. So once I started doing my own thing, I saw this like huge shift. My grades went up. I felt happier. I felt more at peace. Fast forward, graduate law school, you know, study for the bar exam, pass the bar, become a lawyer. And then I'm thrown in a new kind of world of actually being a lawyer in an office. And that felt once again, very difficult. Like I couldn't 
I couldn't function the way everybody else was functioning. So I started to feel bad. I feel once again, like the world wasn't made for me. And I was like, why can't I do this? Like, what is wrong with me that I can't function like everybody else seems to function? I can't sit in my office and stay still and not talk to people throughout the whole day. I can't get started on just writing an email. Like this should be easy. I just need to write an email, but I'm sitting here staring at a blank screen. So I um, went back to therapy again and I had been through therapy this whole time from that first therapist on and was like, every therapist was a little different, but they were all females. And I was like, you know what? Nothing against females. Cause I am one. I appreciate like they bring like, there's certain things I feel like I can talk to a female therapist about that. I can't talk to a male therapist about. So, but I'm going to switch it up. And so I went to a male therapist and literally in the first hour, he was like, everything you're describing sounds like ADHD. Have you ever gotten an ADHD <laughs> evaluation? And I was like, no. And he's like, well, I have ADHD and I will bet you a cookie that if I'm wrong, like you're going to get a cookie that you have ADHD. Like, please go find someone to diagnose you. So I was like, okay, let's, let's try it. Why not? Mm -hmm. So I went and found a psychiatrist to diagnose me. We sat down for an hour, went through the whole evaluation and here I am today. Um, a year and a half later and I have an ADHD diagnosis and it makes so much more sense. I, I love all of that. And there's so many pieces of that story that we could unpack. <laughs> and so it's, you know, kind of like, where do we start? But I love that you really like advocated for yourself in the sense of like, I know that something is off. I have this feeling of something being off. People keep telling me, you know, it's normal or it's okay. Or, you know, kind of there's this feeling of like, even yourself, you brushing it off and mm -hmm. then like still going and getting another opinion. And I think a lot of people sometimes tend to, whether it be with mental health, physical, physical health, just life in general, settle for like that off feeling and kind of start to normalize it. So let's chat a little bit about, you know, maybe like advocating for yourself when something doesn't feel right, whether that is, you know, mental health or not. Um, but kind of that like conversation that you had, not only with yourself, but maybe with other people too. Yeah. So I think a lot of that for me came from my mom and watching her navigate the healthcare system. So she has a thyroid um, problem. Well, she doesn't have a thyroid anymore. They had to burn it out. And that means she has to take medication in order to replace that regulation of hormones. And I watched her throughout my life have to like constantly go and battle her doctors and be like, no, it's too low. No, it's too high and trying to figure that out. And so I think seeing somebody else do that really helped me be like, no, if something is off, like we know our brains best, mm -hmm. if something is off, I need to like push to like, even just put myself at ease, but figure it out. Right. Absolutely. And I guess kind of mindset wise for you, as you were going through undergrad, grad school, law school, like being around all these people and kind of having that feeling of like, I just don't fit in. What was that conversation that you kind of had with yourself and how did you almost accept you for who you are? Right. Yeah. Oh, that's like the worst. I call it the comparison game because we're always comparing ourselves to everybody, no matter what it is, school, motherhood, you know, just day-to-day -day work things, being in relationships, siblings, all of that. Mm -hmm. And 
I've found like, especially with law school, I tried so hard to fit in so hard. I tried to be that person that was in the library for eight hours on a Saturday. Cause I was like, that's the only way I'm going to succeed. Mm-hmm. And then when I wasn't succeeding, I was like, well, I must've done something wrong. Like what <laughs> is wrong with me? And it took a lot of like sitting down and reflecting and journaling and therapy to be like, no, there's nothing wrong with me. I just don't function the same way in this environment. And I need to create the environment that I have found success in or create that environment that I do feel comfortable in, in order to find more success. So for me, it was sitting in my living room and watching the office while doing outlines. And yes, there's always that like tinge of like, Ooh, I might be missing out on something here mm-hmm. that other people are doing that I'm not doing, but and the, at the end of the day, is it going to take away from my mental health? Or is it going to add to my mental health? And that's where I had to start being like sitting in the library and comparing myself to everybody is taking away from my mental health. Whereas doing what I know is best for myself is adding to it. Mm -hmm. And it's just like a constant reminder, even today to like always take inventory and figure that part out before being like, Ooh, I'm just a horrible person. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even with just like social media and like the rise of media, like it's really easy to look at the way that somebody else does something and be like, oh, well, because it works for her, obviously it's going to work for me. And so it's really important, like you said, to take that inventory. Like, how is this impacting me? Is it having a positive or negative impact? Like, is it something I really want to do? Is it actually working for me? And so, you know, kind of it's like people are like, want this like, one magic answer or like one specific routine. And it's like, well, the thing that works is what's going to work for you. Right. So just kind of like carving out that noise of what everybody else is doing and being like, okay, this is actually what I need, not what everybody else needs. (laughs) Yeah. And I found like taking that time away from like not looking at social media first thing in the morning or pushing it to like pockets of the day really is helpful Mm-hmm. Or for me, I was like living with another law student. And then when I moved in to my, my own apartment, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much better. Like the pressure is off because there's yeah. not somebody else there constantly doing the same things. And so the comparison can sneak in before we know it, but if you are able to be aware of it, you're able to navigate it a little better. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that example of like physically removing yourself from the comparison, you know, even if like you do live with a roommate or you live with other people who are in like the same realm of work, like creating the physical space in your own room to like watch the office and do homework or, you know, physically removing you from the space in sense of like going to a coffee shop and studying your own way, you know, or not going to the library where everybody else is at on a Saturday. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how they did that. (laughs) (laughs) And that's actually funny. So, um, a lot of my built to be community is nurses. So we understand, you know, kind of the rigorous of, you know, getting into a nursing program and the comparison that comes with that. Well, she studies this way or she does it this way. And it's like, again, the thing that's going to work is what works for you and makes you feel successful. So I love that you kind of went off and paved your own path and they're like, don't work. And you're like, but I need work because that creates structure for me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think it's like so important to just constantly be open to trial and error with Mm -hmm. it as well. So you can always try to see if something that somebody else is doing is could work for you. But then when it doesn't not beating yourself up and just kind of being like, okay, well that didn't work for me. 
-hmm. Is there an aspect that I can take along with me or should I just like go back to what I'm used to doing? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's also kind of like expectation management, like not like telling yourself like, oh, going to the library on a Saturday for eight hours is going to be the thing. It's like, okay, I'm going to try it on for size, see what happens. And then like you said, take away pieces that did or didn't work and kind of build from there. Yeah. So after you were first diagnosed with ADHD, what was that like initial feeling? Kind of take us back to maybe that appointment or that day or that week and talk a little bit about that. So at first it was like a mixture of relief and grief. Mm -hmm. Um, It was like relief because I was like, okay, I finally have something that's like, to me fits like anxiety. Like I said, was like there and it was nice to have a name, but I never felt like that really fit. But then when, you know, I started doing research on ADHD, I was like, oh, this fits, this makes so much sense. But then you sort of grieve after that too. Like Mm -hmm. you grieve like, why couldn't people find this sooner? You know, what, what would my life have looked like um, if they found this before I went through all of these trials and tribulations, what more success could I have? What am I missing out on? Or even that whole thing of like, oh, now there, I'm happy. I have this label, this diagnosis, but now it's a label that I wear. Yes. And it, it can feel very heavy. So like, Mm -hmm. In that immediate first like month or two, that's sort of like the roller coaster of emotions that you go on. And, uh, at least that's my experience and experience of a lot of people I've talked to who got later in life diagnosis. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's important to like really acknowledge that you had highs and lows, like, and like you can simultaneously hold both of those feelings, maybe not in the exact same moment, but like very much so in the exact same season. And it sounds like kind of hearing your story unfold, they both served you to a certain capacity, you know? So let's talk a little bit about um, kind of getting that diagnosis, seen as a label, but not tying your identity to that label. Cause I think, you know, whether it's a diagnosis or a career or a different type of label that somebody wears, sometimes they lose their identity and maybe like a word or a phrase. So let's chat a little bit about that. Yeah. So it's funny that you said that because I just spent the weekend with my family and they were like, Oh, how's being a lawyer? And I was like, well, I mean, I don't love it. I don't think I'm going to do it forever. And they're like, what? And I was like talking to them. I was like, there are so many people who like find out they have a diagnosis or get into a career, like you said, and they're like, I'm a lawyer. And this is now my whole entire personality. And that's just not who I am. And I've struggled with that, including with my ADHD and my podcast. That's like a shift that I've been working on over the past couple of months because I don't like the idea that, oh, you have ADHD. It's not your personality. And Mm -hmm. like everything is now ADHD. You listen to certain music because it's ADHD friendly. Are you stop doing like, you're like, oh hobby hopping this explains everything why I have no money so you just stop doing hobbies because ADHD and it's really hard I think to navigate especially at up front ADHD years we hyper fixate on things so you're like new shiny diagnosis let me make this my personality for the next year and a half <laughs> um but then you start to realize like okay but there are other things I enjoy doing And this is just like one tiny part of who I am. Yeah. They're like, your career is one tiny part of who you are. 
because you have hobbies, you have likes, you have a favorite color. Um, we're not walking around being like, green is my personality now. Cause it's like, what would you do with that? Um, I guess some people might, <laughs> but um, it's, it's hard to like, be like, oh, I have this label of ADHD, but I'm not going to put it like pin it on every shirt mm-hmm. and wear it every day. Like there's more to me. Not everything is ADHD related. Not every interest is ADHD based. So I have to always sort of also take inventory. This is why journaling is so good for people taking that inventory and being like, okay, so what am I allowing my ADHD to hold me back from? You know, how is it helping me? What other things am I into right now? What other things do I like doing? How can I spur those things on and not focus so much on these things? So it's like this weird balance you have to find. I yeah. hope that answered the question. No, absolutely. It did. You know, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's just like finding the other things that make you you. And like you said, like, you know, my ADHD is a very small part of me, but there's also so many things that I enjoy doing and so many other parts of me that make me me. And I think about the listener who's listening, who kind of, you know, whether it's a mental health diagnosis or a career title or whatever, it's like, you can't get so caught up in just like a one word or one phrase. You really have to look at yourself as a whole. And like, like you said, you know, just that's where like journaling comes in and reflecting and really like learning more about yourself of like, these are the things that I really enjoy. And this is kind of what shapes who I am and what I believe in. Um, and I love that you're able to kind of spin that in the way of, you know, your podcast and the work that you do, because you're able to speak to such a specific group of people. Yeah. And when you talked about your ADHD diagnosis, you're like, everything just like made sense. So let's chat a little bit, like unpack that a little bit, you know, like what made sense, you know, like kind of like what like revelations did you have? And what kind of like doubts and fears were you like, oh, okay, well, I can bless and release that now because. <laughs> yeah. So thinking back on the whole coffee thing. So I mentioned it back with like the anxiety. They're like, stop drinking coffee and you'll have less anxiety. <laughs> and I was like, what? Okay. First off, I work at Starbucks. Like I got free coffee all the time. Like mm-hmm. I'm not just going to stop drinking coffee. But also I said like, oh, it like doesn't work. Um because that was one of the things too. People are always like, stop drinking so much caffeine. Like it's bad for you. Don't do these things. And yeah. I'm like, my brain doesn't function without it. Like legitimately. So like, it was like the small things like that, like these weird quirks in my like life that I was like, this makes sense. So the caffeine, the um, watching TV while studying, it's called body doubling. Um, it's because I, it was never something new I was watching. It was like the office, which I've seen probably a hundred thousand times or Gilmore girls, which I've seen way too many times to speak Um, or Harry Potter so many times. And, uh, but that like active body doubling, I needed something else or someone else in the room to get things done. And I was like, Oh, this makes sense. It's a, it's a tool that we have in our tool ADHD or toolkit. Um, So like those small things made sense, but also some of the larger things people had always said, Christina, like pick something and stick to it. Like I've been a food blogger. I've been a travel blogger. I've like been a book blogger. I've like done all of these things. I've written a book. I've, you know, just you name it. I've probably done it. And of course made my identity about it at the time. I'm a runner now guys. I'm running like 10 races. And then I stopped running after it. Like the last one, never again to do it. Um, never to do it again. 
but I would always feel so bad because people were like, could you just pick something like, Oh, here you go again, just quitting something. That's cool. And I was like, I just can't help it. Like it's boring now. I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And that's, it's an ADHD or thing. We, like I said, we hyper fixate on things. So you find something new and shiny. We have interest-based nervous systems. So we are at our happiest when something is new, there's novelty. We're just going to be like thrown into the deep end and figure it all out. But eventually that wears off. So it gives us that dopamine spike that we're missing because ADHD really is about a lack of serotonin and dopamine in the brain and the inability to like produce it or produce enough of it. But that novelty gives us that dopamine. But once it starts to lose its novelty, it it no longer, the brain's like, I don't care about this. And I, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I will keep going. I was going to say, I used to feel so bad because people would be like, could you just stick to one thing? Like Mm -hmm. we're tired of trying to follow along and we're trying to figure (laughs) out what you're doing. You keep like switching things. And so like, I felt really bad about it to where like I would stay in careers, like I stayed at Starbucks for over nine years because I didn't want to switch and have people say stuff or I would just like do hobbies in secret. So people didn't know that I was like switching everything I was doing. And it it takes a toll on you because you can't be your true authentic self. And so getting that ADHD diagnosis and learning what all of that meant, I was like, oh, okay. Well, I'm going (laughs) to stop feeling bad about it because it's just literally how my brain is wired. Yeah. And I have to be who I am. And if people are too uncomfortable with that, then unfortunately I have to let them exit. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of like your golden ticket and permission slip. Like, Hey, I'm going to be fully myself. I'm going to change my mind as many times as I want to. I'm going to have as many hobbies as I want to. I'm going to quit and start as much as I want to. Yeah. And I don't care what y'all say about it. And I think that's just really important that like, diagnoses and mental health and those kinds of things don't have to be something that set you back. They can be something that unlock a whole new world for you in terms of, you know, just getting to know yourself better. And so with a new diagnosis or with anything new, you know, it's like information overload, you know, you learn so much, but it seems like it's been like a year and a half. I think you said Mm -hmm. you have so much knowledge around it and kind of, I'm curious where that knowledge came from because you're a lawyer, not like a psychologist or, you know, so like the two realms seem very like disassociated when you like think about it. So tell us a little bit about just like the pursuit of learning, I guess, and like how you've learned all that, you know, now. Yeah. So yes, the lawyering and mental health could not be so (laughs) far from each other. They need to integrate more, but, um, I, I really just was like, curious because once you start getting answers I feel like you're like all right I have to keep looking for more answers because Mm -hmm. this is insane but a lot of it came from scrolling on Instagram Mm -hmm. because I found like all of the ADHD content creators and I was like this makes sense oh Mm -hmm. I like this this video is funny and oh well yes this makes sense it's why my laundry never gets done in the same day it's usually a week-long process and then I have to do it again um And really just like starting to see different things on social media. And then my brain is like, all right, social media is not always real. And these people are not psychologists. 
So I'm going to take what they're saying and I'm going to dig a little deeper and see if, if this is like valid, because I want to know, like, is this an ADHD thing or is this just a like coincidence that we're doing these things? Right. I think it's important to fact check anything you see on the internet. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's a beautiful reminder that like social media can be such a positive thing and it can connect you with the people who are in the same boat as you, you know, the same season as you. And, but like you said, you know, fact checking and kind of doing your own research and not just believing everything you say, but also like cultivating that community for yourself to kind of normalize the tendencies and the feelings and the behaviors that you have. Yeah. And I love the community I have found on Instagram with ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I have friends now that like live in Australia and Tokyo and like, just like so some, cool. like all over the world. And we're all like, yeah, like this is what ADHD is like here and how you get treatments and being able to connect is so important. And I think it really drives, like once you're in that community, you want to learn more mm-hmm. because you want to participate in the community, but you also want to like be able to connect with people. And so like, that's another part of that is like why I started my podcast. And a lot of my research comes from wanting to get that information out there. So other women can advocate for themselves because women are typically misdiagnosed with anxiety or depression, or they, um, just get pushed like that ADHD diagnosis just gets like kind of swept under the rug because it shows up so differently in women. So they're Mm -hmm. underdiagnosed or misdiagnosed way more than men. Um, cause people think of like, Oh, ADHD, little boy syndrome running around. Can't sit still. <laughs> and it, for women, it shows up as like that inattentive type where you're daydreaming or you're like, have like that internal panic. Cause you just can't get started on stuff. And so a lot of my research comes from wanting to help serve that community and to help women find like all right, here are all the things that I line up with in this, um, Mm -hmm. for ADHD and their diagnosis. And they can go to a psychiatrist and say, like, I really need, think I need the evaluation. Yeah. I love that. And that's kind of where like personal experience meets like research and like using your platform in a positive way and building that positive community is only going to help spread the bandwidth and the message even further, which I think is so cool. Cause you know, like sometimes you're like, or even the woman who's listening, like, I'm just one person. I could never impact that many. But I think about you and your podcast and your specific experience with ADHD, like how many women that you've opened the door and even the can of worms for to have, like, to start to have the conversation of like advocating for yourself, you know, not just settling for that feeling that's off and really exploring more, you know, what does this off feeling mean? And then, you know, whether you get a diagnosis or not, like, okay, now how can I use this? as a superpower, not only in my own life, but also in others. And so I love that you've been like, okay, now I can make my life make sense, not only in my own head, but also (laughs) to the people around me. (laughs) Yes. It's fun to explain it to people because you're just like, so, um, this is why I do this thing. I'm sorry, um, that it might impact you, but you can make it work. Or even like with my mom. So my brother and I were both diagnosed within like a two year range of each other and ADHD is predominantly hereditary. It's not just like a product of like television and video games. Like everybody (laughs) like growing up seemed to think, um, it's about, there's like a 50% chance that if like you as a parent have it, that your child's also going to have it. It's just the way your brain shows up. So 
my brother and I got diagnosed and my mom started listening to my podcast and she's like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. Like I do the same thing here or, oh, all right. That, that kind of fits. I, I, I caught that when you were growing up, but then it like really spurred her to go and ask for like an evaluation herself. And then she was recently diagnosed with ADHD as well. Wow. I guess I didn't realize it was hereditary. That's very interesting. And I think that's cool that like, you're able to like connect those pieces looking backwards because it probably makes a lot of things in your sense, like in your life makes sense, <laughs> you know, like you're like in the time it probably didn't, but you know, looking backwards, I think with anything in life, like when you know better, you do better. And so it's like, when you like put yourself in the position to gain more knowledge, then you're able to like show up better to life. And I think it's really cool that it impacted your family too, because not only now do you have like a bigger support system, but you guys kind of all understand each other on a level that some people don't. Yeah. So tell us, you said you had a book, totally changing gears here. Let's chat about this book. (laughs) You just like subtly threw that in there. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, it's being rewritten right now because this is an ADHD thing, 100%. So back in like 2011, when I graduated from undergrad, I was like, I am going to just be an author. I'm going to write books. Um, Not having any idea what I needed to do, including getting an editor or anything. (laughs) So like I self-published my book and like wrote the whole thing, self-published it sold like 60 copies of it. And then like, someone was like, this is really bad. I love the honesty. <laughs> it's so funny now. And I was like, all right. So I took a look at it. And I was like, this is really bad. <laughs> Who bought this? But um, I'm currently, yeah, I'm currently rewriting it. I just started um, a publishing company with my friend, Megan, and we are going to, republish it in the summer of next year but yeah it's such a fun journey I like writing but like that's what we do as ADHDers we just assume we can do anything straight out of the gate we're just like let's go for it I love it take messy action and who cares if 60 people buy it or 600 people buy it because you're probably gonna do it again later on down the road probably I mean it's a five book series in my brain I I love that. Well, while we're on the realm of things that are going on in your world, let's chat about how we can connect with you after this episode. Yeah. So I am the host of the MBD podcast. Um, some people think it means no big deal. And I lo- that's why I love just breaking it down to an acronym. It started out as like the neurodivergent brain dump podcast, but that's okay. way too much to say. <laughs> so I like helpful. narrowed it down to NBD. And um, yeah, we have a lot of fun over there. It's about ADHD and mental health. You can find me on Instagram at the NBD life. Cause I feel like life with mental health diagnoses, anxiety, depression, whatever should be no big deal. Like you're just, we should normalize it and really move forward and talking about it because everyone is dealing with something at some point in their life. Yeah. I love that. And is there any last little golden nuggets you want to leave the audience with today? Um, Oh, there's so many. (laughs) Um, But I think the biggest one is whoever is listening to this, like just remember no matter what you're going through, what season of life you're in or what, you know, is going on in the world around you is that you have to give yourself permission to be yourself. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that's like the biggest thing you can do for your life to avoid burnout, to avoid um, unnecessary stress. Just give yourself the permission to be yourself. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And you don't need the golden ticket of a diagnosis to do that. Sometimes it might make more sense, but you can still kind of channel that energy and that mindset no matter the season that you're in. So I love that golden nugget. Thank you, Christina. Thank you. Before you go, I just wanted to let you know that I am so dang grateful that we are now on this journey through uncovering what it means to be you together. If you love this episode, make sure you share it with your friend or better yet, share it on social media and tag me so that way I know. Until next time, chat soon. 